This list sucks, this list sucks, this list sucks, this list sucks, it sucks. Hey, happy Monday. Well, hey, everybody. Happy Monday. You're not used to hearing that on this podcast, but I know. I think, we, I think, I think they're we've just probably done that once other one other time, maybe a happy Monday. Yeah. I think we've just abandoned all. I mean, eventually we'll go back to Fridays, I'm sure. But for now, we're just kind of all over the place. It's just busy summers, folks. Winter's like right around the corner. Yeah. Winter's <laughs> going to be nice and calm. But uh, yeah. summer's been a little crazy in a good way. But yes. it makes for difficulties with a consistent podcast schedule. But yeah. Luckily, I think most of our people are not really doing the live stream thing, so that's okay. We have some that do consistently, and yeah. uh, we are sorry to them. <laughs> I mean, we will try to be better in uh, maybe after September. I feel like after September, we can maybe start to develop a little bit of a routine until Halloween, and then you just you're kind of going to be screwed again come Halloween <laughs> time. But then, yep. But then winter will set in, and it'll all be better. Trust us. But speaking of crazy summers, Mike and I thought it would be fun. To display behind us <laughs> the same poster, <laughs> two different frame jobs, both equally great, in my opinion. Equally, yes, equally wondrous frame jobs from, and these are the posters that we copped at um, Deer Creek this summer. So. Yes, one of the coolest fish posters I think I've ever seen. It's a really comic booky looking, kind of alien cornfield kind of theme. So. I think Mike is outside of Dix, which the Dix run had a really, really cool poster too. That so. did have a really cool poster. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. You cut out for a second there, Mike, but we're back online. So Okay. Okay, so well, before we get into it, I'm too nervous about this poster. So you talk for a second, Mike, while I pull it down <laughs> from this very precarious position sitting on top of this tiny little like four inch ledge that sticks out from my bar that's behind me. So <laughs> So so the backstory here for everybody that's watching or not watching is JB has now removed his headset and he's very gingerly removing the beautiful poster that we were just showing off on YouTube because of course that particular poster and frame job is not exactly one that belongs to JB. That poster and frame job was a beautiful frame up um, that was paid for by JB and Justin as a friend to, or as a gift to Sean, friend of the podcast. He's been on a couple of times before. Yep. And he went to that Deer Creek run with us. So, yeah. you know, that it was, was what it was given to him last weekend, but, you know, he wasn't in. <laughs> he certainly wasn't in shape to take possession of it that night. And yeah. so it's uh it's been gingerly waiting, biding its time over at JB's house. Yes. Not for too much longer though. But now it's good because then we can use it for things like props in the background for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like the the <laughs> <laughs> the backdrops for the podcast are always important. Um, so it's been a hot minute, but I feel like this week has been a week where we can really get to talking about new music. Have you, have you listened to the new Casey Musgraves album yet? No, but is that the one that you got on vinyl? Did you get the brand new one? Yeah, I sure did. Okay, yeah. cool. Cause, cause, uh, cause my wife was texting me about a couple of the songs on it last Friday morning. And so I, it was, it was the only new disc that I spun last Friday, but wow man alive like did, did really they, really good did she release some of those tracks ahead of time or was it all fresh 
There was only one because I saw that I saw that she had a new the new album coming out maybe two weeks ago, and she had um, she had released one single on it. Justified, I think, was the pre-album drop single that she released. But this is, I mean, this is it, it reminds me a lot of Red from the standpoint of it's definitely Casey Musgraves, but it is definitely not a country record. It's like a pop. Does record. that make sense? Um. Yeah, a lot of electronica too. It's it's one really? of those records that when you listen to it, I think I mean what it made me say was thank God Casey Musgrave started hanging out with the flaming lips. <laughs> electronic like like in the way that Sturgill's record was or totally different? Um, the, I'm talking about the old one, the one the electronic one. Or the uh, house beat um, one. Well, no, it's yeah, it's kind of like that. So Sound and Fury yes. is the Sturgill record that you're talking about. And yeah, kind of like that, maybe a little bit, but even more electronica, if you can imagine that. Definitely. It's very, it's very like synth poppy, um, kind of Lord-esque, but it's definitely Casey Musgraves, if that makes sense. Is there still any country flair to it? <sighs> I mean not not much interesting only only but only because you know that it's her voice and she still has these kind of these kind of country-esque inflections to the way that she like says some words and things but it's really i don't i don't know man it's really unique you should you should absolutely check it out i will definitely be doing that Um, was there anything else new that you checked out um no they are getting ready to release and maybe they actually, I think they did release that Metallica blacklist album, which is seven hours worth of covers of tracks from the blacklist. Oh which, yeah. I'm looking at that right now. And it has Miley Cyrus is the top build cover. And then my morning jackets on there. Elton John, St. Vincent's on there. Chris Stapleton. Yeah. Um, and the crazy thing artist. is like, Every single one of those tracks from the Black Album has anywhere from two to like, I think some songs are covered like seven times by seven different people. Okay. Which it's kind of cool, but I don't know, man. That's a lot of, that's a lot of Metallica. Covers. That maybe doesn't need to be that long, you know? Like maybe I they mean, could you, just do one version for each song would be reasonable. Dude, even if you wanted to say like, three versions for each song i mean i i guess you could do that but like i said there's some that are just ridiculous some just and there were really a whole really lot of new releases this past friday and i didn't check yeah. out any of them and that's dumb there's a new uh well there's some that most people won't care about but i'm excited about which is a uh, a new pat Metheny record that's cool to me. Um, should I be? Should I also be excited about that? I would say so. Yeah, I mean, you like okay. jazz and you like you like uh, fusiony kind of stuff, and that's Pat Metheny. He's fantastic, you know, jazz guitar player, um, an older guy for sure. Actually, one of Trey Anastasio's biggest influences. Eh. But uh, there was also nice. so there's a new uh, new Sleigh Bells record, which I haven't followed mm-hmm. their catalog too closely just to be honest, but I have seen them live once and it was pretty crazy. Uh, there's a new common album, like a straight up common yes. studio release is 14th. Yep. 
So yeah, and I didn't listen. I I literally I didn't listen to anything else. Unfortunately. Yeah, no. I did buy some. I did buy some new vinyl, though. In fact, you did. I picked up that. Yeah, I picked up that t- that uh, Casey Musgraves on vinyl because I'd already listened to it enough that I was like, "Yeah, I'm down." And for the record, super super cool gatefold. And I am a nerd for people that do unique cool things with the gatefolds on vinyl. And she did it. Like she totally did it. Nice. So, um, that was rad. Is it I a colored disc? Used- what was that? Sorry to interrupt. I said, "Is it a colored disc?" It is. Yeah. God, and there's those. actually, there's like three different variations of the colored platters that you can get. Um, and they're, they're like labeled on the outside of the package. It's nice. like surprise color one, surprise color two, surprise color three. Nice. So not to ruin the surprise for everybody, but surprise color one is a red platter, a spectacularly beautiful red platter, but it's a red platter. That's a surprise. Um, yeah, but in addition to that, I also got um, I picked up a used copy of End Introducing by DJ Shadow. That, yeah, and you and I talked about that, and it's it's an OG pressing of it. Um, super stoked. Even the guy when I was checking out, when he picked it up, he goes, "Wow, this is a good find." And I said, "Fuck yeah, it is." You know? Twenty bucks too. He said, "Right." Yeah, that's yeah. nuts. Yeah, it was we had super, that one. We had that one a few. Reasonable like several weeks ago, but we had it on the list. Yeah, it was on the list. I want to say 370s. Yeah. 370s or 380s, something like that, but really, really killer. I also picked up Only Built for Cuban Links uh, by Chef Raekwon, which we have not encountered on the list yet, but I fully anticipate us to because that that one to me is kind of right up there with um, 36 Chambers. Uh, wow. Yeah. Above Liquid Swords? In your mind? Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, or at least on par, right? Like on par with Liquid Swords, on par with 36 Chambers, on par. Like definitely, I prefer it to Supreme Clientele. But um, but yeah, a lot of Ghostface is on that record and a lot of really, really good kind of classic um, classic Wu-Tang. So hopefully yeah. that gets, ho- hopefully we see it. Because it but took me a little while. Up. You go ahead. Um, oh, I'm just trying to remember. Oh, I got Sam Cook. I got Portrait of a Legend, mm-hmm. which we just encountered. I was kind of shocked to find it, but I loved it. Picked it up. Um, and something else. I shot you a picture of it. I don't remember what the hell else was in that stack of goodies. But for the record, for anybody that's interested, coming up, I want to say coming up next month, My Morning Jacket is releasing a new record, and they've already dropped a single off it, which is which is good. It's good and fun. Wow. Well, that is pretty what exciting. Was, it is pretty exciting because it's this is the first it's it's new my morning jacket that wasn't um just recorded at a previous session if that makes sense. Yes, that does make sense. Um do you know what the Oh yeah, they had just announced it. They even put out a a little video for one of the tunes. Did you check that out? Yes, I did. Yeah, me and it's too. a cool video with them cool. riding around in the car. Riding around in the car um, singing the song. The other record that you picked up was Tedeschi Trucks with Trey Anastasio doing Layla and other sort of love songs. Yes. That's a yeah, cool one to from have. That, from that lock-in set. And that was, yeah, that was fun. Mikey and I, Mikey and I were huge sets of that. And, uh, and Mike was the one that actually found that in the record store. He found two copies. He walked them both over and he's like, dude, look what I found. This is my oldest son, Mikey. And I walk and he carries them both up to me and he's like, one for you and one for me. Nice. <laughs> I said, good, fine, yeah. Mikey. 
<laughs> yep. Yeah, it was indeed a good find. So, so good day. Good day for scoring vinyl. Good day for scoring records. And uh, yeah, it was fun. How about you? Just playing gigs or anything good? Yeah, it was honestly a crazy busy weekend, which is abnormal these days for me. This kind of what used to be the norm. But uh, these days, my weekends have more often been not filled by gigs. But this this weekend was full. So I played at... I played at a wedding on a Friday night, but it was actually super cool and fun because it wasn't like a normal wedding. Occasionally I'll play at weddings and with like a wedding band and it's okay, but I mean, it's not like my favorite type of gig to play. But this was a friend of Pale Blue Earth and they basically just wanted a Pale Blue Earth show at their wedding. And so we played a bunch of original tunes. I mean, as they kind of requested and, and it was, it was a great time. That's fantastic. So, and that was fun. Which, by the way, which, by the way two, um, not this last weekend, but the weekend before um, Pale Blue Earth did their record release show and fucking burned the house down. That was crazy. Great Well, show. thanks for being there, Mike. That was a good time for sure. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, okay, so wedding on Friday and then another gig on Saturday, right? Yeah, I played at uh, the famous Des Moines Yacht Club on Saturday <laughs> with my other band. So good times, as always, down at the Yacht Club. Gets a little crazy wear down there, jacket. but we got to yeah. love it. So Wear a life jacket. <laughs> yes, definitely do that. Bring some rope and an anchor. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> well, um, last last episode was a big episode because we finished up another 100. Yep, our second was... champagne episode. So yeah. always fun to get to one of those. And this week we're breaking into the 200s. Yes. And um, what did you think before we jump into it? I thought it was a pretty solid week. Maybe like one of the best weeks as a whole in a little while for me. There are a couple real bangers on this week and a couple couple surprises for me too. Maybe one surprise. Surprises that in a good way. Think, yeah, I was going to say that you didn't necessarily think you would like, but you were kind of shocked that you did like him. Is that kind of what you were thinking? Yes. Maybe you nice. felt the same way about the same record. Um, I mean, I'll be really curious to see <laughs> which record that was for you but i'll be honest with you i really enjoyed this week and i'm and just in the little bit of i guess you could call it cheating that we've done i'm really excited about the next couple of weeks i think it's going to be i think it's going to be really cool to go through um some of these albums on here because we're getting into some jams real jams Yes, we're really starting to get to like the territory on this list where it's just going to be banger after banger. I mean, that they can kind of throw, you know, a couple oddballs into the bottom 200 and get away with that just fine. And honestly, some of the oddballs that they threw in, super glad we got to delve into. They were absolutely worth it, and I totally understand why they put them on the list. Some not the case at all. Um, <laughs> but at this point, you know, you're in the you're in the top 300 it's going to be hard to, uh, to get away with putting things that don't really deserve that position, you know? Yeah. So it's just going to start to get more and more frequently that we have crazy albums on here. Yup. 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 So speaking of which, what do you say? You want to hop in? Let's dive in. You got, right. you got 300. I'll take 300. So the very first album this week, number 300 from 1997, we're going to be talking about Shania Twain's second album entitled come on over. No, third album. fuck you, Mike. The third album. Okay, so Rolling Stone says Shania Twain's third album was basically a country thriller. Still the best-selling album ever by a female artist. 
Twain and her husband, ACDC and Def Leppard producer John Mutt Lang, had radio in a hammerlock during the late 90s with hits like You're Still the One and Man, I Feel Like a Woman. And Twain's mix of genre-defined effervescence and feel like a woman's self-assertion helped pave the way for superstar rule breakers like the Dixie Chicks, Miranda Lambert, and Taylor Swift, who said seeing Shania, who said seeing Shania perform inspired her to want to get on stage herself. So out of curiosity, JB, was this was this one of the records that surprised you at all? Uh, not really. I mean, Shania Twain, like a, a lot of these tunes, like the big hits on this one, everybody's going to know them. And that says something about Shania Twain because, th- you know, this is definitely, I mean, this album came out in 97. I was like five years old at the time, so I wasn't. I, I wasn't really listening to a lot of radio and not, and you know, you know, that being said, definitely not remembering what I did listen to on the radio necessarily. <laughs> so the fact that I, that I still know a bunch of these and that you still hear these all over the place kind of says a lot about Shania, I would say. Um, so no, this is not the one I was referring to, but, uh, this is a pretty solid record. I mean, I kind of went into it knowing I was going to feel that way. It's not that I, you know, listen to Shania Twain a whole lot on my own time necessarily but this is extremely well made i mean obviously you know there's some really really solid tunes that 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 just had got some serious radio play and uh serious cultural icons i guess especially like man i feel like a woman that's basically Mm -hmm. played at every single you know show band type of event you ever would go to and like whether whether that be a wedding or a big party and stuff like that um yeah people go crazy (laughs) so you're still the one you're still like, the you're one. Still the one might be one of my favorite. I mean, it's probably my friend. It's probably my favorite Shania Twain song. Like, there's just something about that melody, about her voice, the way she sings it. It's man, it's really, really good. But the numbers on this record are still really, really mind blowing to me. Did you look through any of like just the sheer statistics about album sales on this? Like record? sales on this? Um, yeah. I think I read really something, is, but remind me. It's the female thriller. Is it the like one of the best best selling female albums of all time? Is it the, the best? The best? The best. Wow. She this record has sold forty million copies. Holy fuck. Four zero. Forty million copies. Four zero followed Easy. by six more zeros. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So there's so there's 16 tracks on this record and they talk about how this record had like the late 90s in a headlock on radio. Yeah. You you know, you made the comment you would know the singles. There were 12 fucking singles released from this record, dude. Yeah, I mean just looking through when I said singles like usually there's going to be, you know, one, maybe two that was like I mean, getting serious yeah, radio play. I mean, you maybe have three or four, right? Yeah. Like maybe a good strong record has like four serious radio singles. Fuck you. I mean, not you this have, one, dude. Yeah. Man, I feel like a woman had to be the top. Is that right? Um, it was one of them. I didn't drill down into single sales per se. I know that um, don't impress me much was another massive one. Yes, you're still the one was a massive one from this moment um, on was a massive one. Yeah. Um, but like if you look at the list of everything that was a single man, I feel like a woman was released as a single. I'm holding on to love to save my life was a single um, from this moment on was a single come on over was a single 
Yeah. Um, you're still the one. Honey, I'm home. That don't impress me much. Black eyes, blue tears. Rock this country. And you've got away, I believe, was the 12th single. But it's crazy. Just, it's so fucking nuts, dude. Like, if you think about that, I mean, it took them over, oh, they took them 14 months just to release all the singles associated with the yeah. record. <clears throat> this is a fairly long record, and 75% yeah. of this record was a radio single. <laughs> a radio single at yeah. some point. It's, it's, it's a crazy stupid. statistic. Um, but in, oh shit, I'm sorry. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even think about holding my book up in front of me. Read. Um, my favorite tracks that don't impress me much. Um, she's got that corny ass line about Brad Pitt. She's got so many corny ass lines in it, that, but it's really clever. Some... Like it makes me, it makes me giggle. It um, is clever. I love the corny lines on that one, but, uh, I mean like the, the little stops that you're talking about where she like yeah. says something real quick before the chorus. Yeah. The so first one Brad Pitt or whatever the fuck it is. It's, it's so ridiculous, but it works. It is ridiculous. You know? And it's like, she's kind of setting a high standard there. I mean, the very first <laughs> one is like, so you're a rocket scientist. So what? It's like, I think that's a pretty fucking big deal. Shania, this guy's a rocket scientist. I mean, that's not like something to scoff at. She's like, I don't, I don't give a shit. I know. <laughs> She's definitely denigrating some people that have really fucking put in some work to try to think. <clears throat> exactly. I mean, not that Brad um, Pitt does that, but I don't yeah. know. Maybe he does. But I love that. Don't impress me much. I love man. I feel like a woman, both super, super catchy and the horns in man. I feel like a woman are just, I mean, whatever. If you don't like horns, it's just cause you're stupid and they're really, really well done in that song. But to me, my favorite song in this record, just because it's so beautiful is you're still the one. Man, I loved it. Just such such great songwriting there. So that great one does have the pedal steel, <clears throat> which I love. Um, mm -hmm. But for for me, I have just played "You're Still the One" at too many weddings to ever need you. to hear it again in my life. I believe to you. tell you that. I know. Um, I know. But I, it's a good. It's you know, it's a good one. I also really liked from this moment on, and it's a great great ballad. Probably my favorite mm -hmm. ballad on there. Um, "Honey, I'm Home" was another highlight for me. Yes. Yeah, I agree. It was a, it, I like, I wrote down boom bap because that's what it seemed like. It seemed like, like a boom bap beat, but with a country fiddle over the top. Oh yeah. And I loved it. Some of this is really borderline, not country too, which kind of helps, you know, make that parallel to Taylor Swift in my opinion. Cause like, come on over, not really a country song. It's more like pop or maybe soft rock or something like that. You know, like there's yeah. a lot on here that is, that is, it's a stretch to, to label it as country in my opinion. Well, so I like really quick question for you because all these songs were written, the writing credits for all these songs were for Shania and Mutt Lang. So is that, was that her husband? I'm curious. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And he was a producer of ACDC and Def Leppard before that. Like he was a big rock producer, like a big, big name. Yeah. And so I'm, man, I would really like, I would love to see interviews where they talk about the songwriting process. And I wonder if it was more a push from him to create a more like pop sound to go with her country credentials or if it was something that she wanted to do. Yeah. I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested to hear that too. And I wonder like, you know, how much of it was, a goal to to get a lot of radio play you know I'm, I'm sure that had something to do with it being seeing his pr pr production credentials and you know i mean not that it's 
lesser for that being the case. But no, uh, I, I mean, mean it's definitely a, like a, it's to a certain extent. These people are, I mean, you're trying to make a living. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I think they did. Okay. I mean, I respect <laughs> the fuck out of people that are making records purely because that's exactly the type of music that they want to make. But at the same time, you know, if this is your job and you got to eat, I'm not going to beat you up for fucking making a for making a record like this. No, especially no. when you can sell 40 million copies of it. Yep, <laughs> that, that's what they wanted to do, and they did it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's a good record. It's very, very good. It's it's uh just the the facts that you were saying. I, I'm blown away by the fact that it's so long and that most of it was a single. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 really astounding in a lot of ways, but. But now I, now I want to get down to the real heart of this conversation, because if you look at it by the numbers, it has to be on this list. If you listen to it just with your ear, I think you can, I think you can make the case for it to be on the list, but where do you want to put the placement of this thing, given the pedigree in terms of sales versus the, just the music, like the pure musicality of it? <sighs> I mean, the sales are more of like a the stake driving into to it for me. Like, this is a great like for, just objectively for what it is. I mean, this is fantastically made album, and just okay. the, the the influence that it has. Not even if you hadn't even told me the sales, I would have said. And just to preface this, like like I said before, I'm not like listening to a lot of Shania Twain in my own time. <laughs> um, but this, if you wouldn't even have told me those sales numbers, I would have said in this position or higher certainly not lower on the list okay you know how, wow. about, how about you um you know i mean i guess for me in a lot of ways like this is this is almost like the nirvana for female country artists like this gave female country artists a license to do way more than just be another loretta lynn or dolly parton yeah type it really opened singer. up yeah, or even Reba McIntyre for that matter, right? Because I think that's probably even a better contemporary of kind of a, an archetypal like female country artist. And Shania Twain really turned that shit upside down, you know. And you have to think that she really helped helped pave that that way for the connection between like country and and pop. I would think. Mar yes, Miranda, the like everything that Rolling Stone said in terms of Miranda, the Dixie Chicks, um, Taylor Swift, you know, all these artists have to. This just had to have been so monumentally influential to them yep. that, from that standpoint, um, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay with it here. And I mean, listen, if it slipped twenty five, I wouldn't be upset. But that's really kind of splitting hairs. And it's funny because this is not a record that was just instantaneous to me that, oh, yeah, it's definitely going to be on this list. In fact, I was shocked when I saw those sales figures and learned yeah. that this was the greatest selling record from a single, you know, from a female recording artist that really blew me away when you think about Mariah Carey or Whitney or <laughs> like Madonna. Any number of people, Madonna. Yeah. Or even Taylor Swift. You know, but Even I guess just Taylor the fact Swift, that they right? don't sell, like if streaming wasn't a thing, I would think Taylor might have surpassed, but I don't know. You also have like the over period of time argument. Cause like 40 million is a hard number to get to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're not getting there overnight. Like that is taking time to get to that number. Yes. But but either way, this is a spectacular record I, and you don't even have to like country music. Um, 
you just have to like well like really really it's it's heavily produced like if you're gonna make any argument against it you know you might say that the production was a little bit heavy-handed um i don't even know that it was heavy-handed though it was just just super super flashy like yeah super it's very flashy pop country it's its own version of pop country like shania has her own her own sound and it's it's fun i mean undeniably it's like it's it's fun to listen to and i i specifically yeah. love like her little intros not to get back into it but like the little things like like from the very first one like the let's go girls <laughs> people go fucking crazy when that song starts they really do um <laughs> there's one song there's one song where i just like laughed out loud um oh the very the fourth one it's like don't don't be stupid. You know, I love you. So like, there's like a little guitar line or something. And it goes like, dun, 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 and then she just goes, cool. And then they just, they just like <laughs> dr- drop right into it. And it's just like, I, I just laughed. <laughs> there is no way I wasn't going to. <laughs> it's the human side of Shania Twain, apparently in the recording booth. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> or inhuman. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. All right, what do you say? Let's do it. All right. Did you add this to digital? Um, no. Yeah. I didn't add it to digital. Um, I probably well, I'd pick up a used copy of the vinyl. Yeah, I'd probably pick up a used copy. I don't dislike this record at all. I'm not gonna necessarily seek it or go out of my way. How about you? Uh, I did not add it to d- d- digital, but uh, I mean, I w- if I saw it on vinyl, I might pick it up just for the purpose of putting it on when I had a bunch of people over and having, man, I feel like a woman start. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, I'd probably change it, to tell you the truth, but whatever. That horn line, dude, you just can't go that. wrong. Everybody would go nuts. Dude. Oh, that's what you were talking. I think that's actually a synth. You think so? Yeah. Um, no, we'll have to look it up, but I don't, th- I mean, I don't think they're real horns. I think it's like, it's like a, it's like a synthesizer that is made to sound <laughs> like horns. Um, we'll have to look into that and get back to the listeners. Yes. Poll, new poll. No. Okay. Um, two ninety nine. BB King live at the Regal. I'm excited for Mike to have gotten to listen to this one. So mm-hmm. 1965 by the mid sixties. B.B. King's career appeared to be winding down as black audiences began to turn their backs on the blues, but a British revival introduced the blues to young white American rock fans. Live at the Regal, recorded in Chicago in 64, paved the way for King's appearances on the rock concert circuit and FM radio. His guitar sound was precise and powerful, driving emotional versions of some of his most influential songs, including Every Day I Have the Blues and How Blue Can You Get. So, Mike, we talked about this one for a couple weeks. What did you think? Mm-hmm. Um, it shocked me how much I enjoyed the band. Does that make sense? His band is killer on this on this album. His fucking band absolutely rips. And... You know, I've really like I've never listened to any BB King. Never. This may have been the first BB King record that I've ever listened to. Yep. And so it was really, really fascinating to me because I've always thought of him as just like this, um, this just Goliath of guitar playing. But man, he was way more like a Howlin' Wolf or, um, 
Um, who was the other? Who's the other uh, blues man? Muddy Waters. Muddy Waters. Yeah, he kind of reminded me more of those guys, and I thought that he was gonna. I don't know. I guess I just had in my mind he was going to be some virtuosic blues player. Um, well, and he is. He is loved, certain. Sorry, go ahead. You cut no, out. No. Oh well, I, I have to imagine that just on different recordings is when he flexes his chops on the guitar. Not that he didn't do that at varying times on this record, but this record was. I don't know. I felt like this was way more about him with. I, I don't know. I felt like it was way more about the band. At least for me, it was anyway. And yeah, so I don't think that he really does, you know, flex on other recordings much more than this, to tell you the truth. And he certainly is that Goliath of guitar playing that, you, that you're talking about. Um, and part of the reason is just how restrained he is, you know? Like, he only plays okay. the notes that need to be played, and he's just maybe one of the most tasteful and uh, well-articulated blues guitar players of all time. You know, like, he doesn't play long solos, and he, he doesn't, like, do big builds and crazy, you know, flashy stuff at all. But he plays yeah. he plays short little solos that just are exactly what the song needed at the time. And the just listen to the way the individual notes sound. I mean, it just sounds like each note that he plays has so much feeling and intention behind it. Um, and that's why he is heralded, you know, as as one of the best blues guitar players of all time um, for different reasons, you know, because you got to think, you know, Hendrix was around at this time too. And he's heralded mm. for entirely different reasons. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they couldn't be yeah. any further from each other. Um, so I totally get I wish, why that's what was your reaction, you know? Yeah. I wish that I could see a recording of this too, because it's also really, really difficult um, <clears throat> for me to pick out when he's playing it. Because I'm assuming that he's strumming along and chording also while he's singing. Does that make sense? He is some of the time, and some of the time he's definitely not. Some of the time he's just going full okay. front man, and then he pops in for a brief solo. His solos you could hear clearly, I'm sure, right? Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. The solos weren't in question, but I was trying to think to myself, you know, how much of this was him basically mimicking or maybe playing some like jazz guitar alongside the piano, which was present on all these tracks or how much of this was him. Yeah. Just kind of throwing the ax to the side and just playing front man because his, like his ability to connect with the crowd and banter with the crowd and really kind of control the pace and feel of that concert. That to me was what was special. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. Like, he I mean, was he, fucking running that room. He, he's one of those guys that's bottom. just in charge when he's up there. Like from yes. the from the time he steps out, you're gonna be locked in. And if you good luck trying to fucking focus on anything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um yeah. But uh he, he definitely played a little bit of rhythm, but I th I have to think that he was kind of doing like what you said, kind of throwing the guitar aside, at least during a lot of the verses and stuff. Um if you want to hear a good example of his rhythm playing I wrote it down on a You Upset Me Baby, which is the sixth track. You should go back and give that a listen. And to any, you know, guitar players who might be listening, listen to that. Um, it's a really, really good example of, of him playing rhythm because you can clearly hear it during the verses. And mm -hmm. he's a very, very good rhythm player, too. I mean, he's mainly thought of, I guess I would say, I don't want to say mainly, but he's probably mainly celebrated as as a lead player. But he he played fantastic rhythm too, and that's that's the best example on this live album. Is the in my opinion is you upset me, baby. So give that a listen. 
I will. I will. I, mean, I know you did. Um, but listen to it again with that in mind. Yes. Sweet little angel. <laughs> the fucking banter at the top of that song is really, really good. And I love the solo that he pulls off in Sweet Little Angel a lot. Oh, yeah. It's really good. His tone really, really good. is so amazing on that. And that's something you can only get from, first of all, the guitar he's playing is an, it's called an ES335. It's a pretty big guitar for an electric guitar. Um, and it's a ho- semi hollow body guitar too. So he's getting, he's got this real thick tone and that, like I said, that's g- only going to happen from that guitar plugged into an amp that is just cranked to 10, you know, for sure, <laughs> because it's just, it's a great, his guitar tone is amazing throughout this entire thing, but specifically on his solos. Like when, if you go back and listen to the, you upset me, baby, you'll hear that his guitar sounds drastically different you have to kind of listen to pick it out like it's mm-hmm. not obvious you know but i love sweet little angel and uh the way that it transitioned from song to song that was another cool thing about this record is is just that like he told these little stories in between they were real short real simple it wasn't like it didn't get to the point of like okay shut up and play the song like they were just little little snippets well and that's where that's where to me it it really like that was him orchestrating the crowd mm-hmm. you know like he was literally i don't know it felt like him just taking the crowd on a journey the whole time there was one break in the album where you could tell you know they kind of spliced together two separate pieces of the same concert and but, the only time um, the only reason that happened is cuz like one they started one song and then it just cut off it was you upset me baby actually i think it like started off with a song. It got it played for a second, and then it just cut off, and a, and a new one started. And they were like, "Ladies and gentlemen, BB King." Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the, what happened there, but uh, I don't. It it felt to me like maybe they took a break, like took an intermission, and then came back out after the intermission, and yeah. so we just we we got basically an abridged version of the concert is what it feels like to me. But at the same time. You know, I'm I'm not going to complain about it because this whole thing was just it was really spectacular. I loved Worry Worry, man. I loved Worry Worry, especially the piano and the bass. They were just the fuck. They, it was a perfect backdrop, um, in my mind for what he was doing. The I love that one too. Fucking into it. Yeah, there was like a really cool, time. a really cool breakdown in there. Um, yep, where the band was giving BB so much space. And I was the, on that one. I was just making notes about how tight the band was, and the horn fills were amazing. Mm-hmm. And the uh, his his little storytelling that he was doing and uh, <laughs> in worry worry was hilarious. And he was talking about like he was like, you know, he would direct a a, a sentence at the women in the crowd, and he was like, you know, yes, if your man stays out too late, you know, don't go hard on him, <laughs> you know, don't go hard on him. <laughs> the, the, and and men, if your woman act up, don't smack her upside the head. Because then when you go it again, she'll know what's coming. She'll know what's coming. <laughs> and then he was like, he was like, if if she acts up, you know, you just go over to her and you just say, I know you'll do better. <laughs> That's right, dude. It was. I mean, it was just. It was so fucking classic. I it mean, was. just so fucking classic. Legendary. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The whole top of this record to me, it's like three stars, four stars, three stars, four stars. That's what I was about to um, ask what your star situation looks like. Yeah. I mean, towards the, like on the back half of the record, worry, worry was definitely my favorite, but you know, I basically put stars pretty much next to everything else except for, um, you done lost your good thing. Now that one I, d- I put three stars next to that one too. I love the groove that they locked into 
towards about the three minute mark on that song. Really, really loved yeah. it. And the horns were just fucking sublime. I mean, they're sublime across this whole record. Um, the sax in How Blue Can You Get? Fuck. How fantastic can you get as a sax player? That's my question for you. But Yeah, that was good, too. Um, um, on you, you Don't Last Your Good Thing now, the mm-hmm. piano was really sticking out to me on that one, big time, mm-hmm. which is amazing because the guy that played piano on this, I was reading... <laughs> wasn't even a piano player like he like they had an issue with their piano player this guy was supposed to play organ and uh basically they they didn't have a piano player and he he was this guy didn't know how to play that's not what he did i'm sure he like physically could but he wasn't that's not what he you know was purported to be and uh bb he told bb he's like i don't know how to play the piano and bb said just sit down and act like you know what you're doing and he did fucking amazing. <laughs> I know he did. <laughs> Not like you said, through most of this record, I wouldn't say that it was like a monster standout mm-hmm. piano performance because it definitely wasn't that. But listen, but almost this the guy fact does that- it. it I, I want to not know how to play piano if this guy doesn't know how to play piano. Almost you the fact I mean? that you didn't notice says something, though. You know what I mean? If, like, yeah. if you literally had a guy that didn't know how to play, you, it would be sticking out like a sore thumb, you know? Yes. <laughs> so if this is his version of not knowing how to play, yeah, like Mike said, I want that, too. Yeah. Um, so what was your star situation? I'm assuming it's just fucking littered. It's pretty hefty. Uh, Sweet Little Angel was a five-star. I mean, every song has stars next to it. Every song has, yeah. Every single song has three or more. Yeah. Okay, that's what um, I was most curious about. Is if you went, if you went that heavy-handed through the whole thing. My th- my three five stars were "Sweet Little Angel," "Please Love Me," um, and that was probably because of the of the horn fills and mm-hmm. uh, the guitar tone on the solo, and then "Worry Worry." Those are my three five stars. Yeah, please love me. It's funny because I loved the feel of it. Like it kind of had that shuffle feel to it. I loved the guitar solo. I loved the horns, but it didn't necessarily. It didn't necessarily grab me like the first four tracks of the record. I don't want to call it a cooler track, but it almost felt like a cooler track to yeah. me. And I think that that's why I didn't give it more star love. Is just because it was coming off of a series of serious fucking rips. You know so that I mean? was your piss break song basically yeah. <laughs> and i hate gotcha. to say that because man nothing on this record is deserving of that moniker like this is this is a spectacular record i did add it to digital um i i would love to find this vinyl i really hope that i can find this vinyl. i hope so too honestly. i don't i don't have it yet either but yeah this is one i've listened to for years and i will again and again and another thing i love about it is it's a legit live album you know like yes so many live albums are compilations from different various shows i mean this is just straight up one concert that they pretty one much concert. play continuously with the exception of that one little hiccup in there but other than that it's just straight through i mean there's not even breaks you know between the songs yeah that's right and honestly it, whatever whatever they did to create the edit that exists in this released recording if they had like an unabridged recording of that entire concert please like come on Let's share, right? This needs yeah. to be a record store day release or something because, man, the show is just, it's hot. It's a super, super hot show. And it's crazy the influence that this had. Um, this is a little, another little Wikipedia nugget. but um, So it says some musicians, including Carlos Santana, Eric Clapton, John Mayer, Mark Knopfler, have acknowledged using this album as a primer before performances. 
kind of wow. a cool little fact. It's not like they listen to it as they you know get get in the zone to go play. That's I mean, like those a, are some big names. That, that's what I was gonna say, dude. That's like an MVP list right there. Yeah, exactly. Some of the best guitar players of all time, you know for sure. I mean, yeah, definitely. Th- those guys are on the short list, you know. Yeah. What do you so? What do you want to do with the placement? Because obviously you're all over this, like super familiar with it. You, you've got multiple, multiple listens under your belt on this record. So where do you, where do you want to see it land? I want it up for sure. I don't think this is a top hundred, so I'm not going to kind of make that argument. But I think that this is in the between 100 and 200, in my opinion. Okay. I think it's right. definitely too low. So it's one of the it's one of the more egregious lower ones to me. Like there's been some some worse placements, I would say, but this one is is pretty. I mean, it's high. It's a high. It's you know, it's three hundred or two yeah. ninety nine, but it is too low. Do you think that we see more BB King? <sighs> this is definitely like the most well known BB King record. And I don't, I don't know if we're going to get like a BB King studio album or not. I don't even know how many of those there really are. Um, okay. I feel like when, when people think BB King, especially guitar players like live at the Regal is the go-to, you know? So yeah. I kind of don't think so. I kind of think this is going to be it. Well, okay. So this is what I would say. If we have more BB King and somebody thinks that there's a better BB King record out there and it appears on this list somewhere. I want to hear that. I want to see where it appears on the list. If this is the only BB King on the record. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably, I'd probably move it up about a hundred. Well, I'm kind of eating, eating my special. words because I just said that I don't know how many studio albums he did. It looks like there's like at least 30, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I still stand by what I said. I don't know if, uh, I think that this is all we get. So, well, and so, so I'm still going to stand by that. Like it, t- to your point, it's received a lot of credit at 299, but at the same time, he's probably the greatest blues. He's probably the bla- the greatest blues guitar player ever. So maybe we need to give him a little bit more love than that. Yep, agreed. I mean, he's he's definitely on the on the real high list. Yeah, on a super short list. Exactly. Of really, really great players. So, so yeah. I mean, this is one's incredible. If you haven't listened to this. Do it. In my opinion, this should be. I'm just looking through the rest of the week. This should be. If you haven't listened to uh, to anything from this week, this should be your one that you check out because this one, this is just a real legendary album, and it's a live album. But you don't get those a lot as you know in, on the legendary. I, this status. is this to me. If you're only going to listen to one record that you've definitely never heard before. In most for most people, then yeah, then I agree with you on this one. It's funny because the guitar player world is different. Like most guitar players will have listened to this, but most non-guitar players probably won't won't have. Yeah, because it's yeah. just one of the go-to's. Like when you start looking into, you're like, okay, I'm getting into you know improving on the guitar, and this is something I'm like really interested in. You start doing a little research online. Everyone, you know, there's there's tons of lists of like the you know required listening, and this is one of the top. And this is always one, yeah. Gotcha. Well, coming in after number 299 is going to be number 298 from 1989, Tom Petty's album Full Moon Fever. Rolling Stone says it almost seems impossible to imagine now, but when Tom Petty turned in Full Moon Fever, his record company didn't want to put it out because they didn't hear a single. 
fucking dummies. But the album was an enormous success with hits like I Won't Back Down, Running Down a Dream, and the majestic L.A. portrait Free Fallen, possibly Petty's most beloved song. Producer Jeff Lane gave the album a sleek but never slick sound that complemented Petty's sharp set of songs or sharpest set of songs in a decade. I don't know about that, dude. This thing was pretty fucking slick. <laughs> I think so, too. And I think it's crazy that the producers didn't hear a single. How did you not hear a single in Free Fallen? Free Fallen is definitely not my favorite Tom Petty song. But, I mean, it's an obvious, like, that's one of the biggest songs ever made, I would say. I mean, literally. Yeah. The whole the whole A side to this. How could you like how could you listen to the A side of this record and just be like, I don't get it. This sucks. <laughs> yeah. Try again, Tom. I don't know why you brought this, but this is hot trash, son. Yep. Take it back. <clears throat> yeah, that's just crazy to me. I mean I mean the first Yeah, like you said, the whole A side. I mean you have running down a dream, you have won't back down, and free falling on the A side. Those are three massively popular successes. <laughs> yeah all of which i put four stars next to four i probably yeah and i probably could have given all of them five stars i gave all three yeah. of those five stars i'm i don't i don't i don't hate you for that i don't fuck, i don't hate you for that at all um i could see that argument why did i only give them four stars i don't know i guess i was just being a stingy star dick that day you son of a bitch <laughs> I gave four songs five stars on this. I gave those three, and then I also gave uh, "Feel a Whole Lot Better," which I I didn't I didn't I hadn't listened to this record straight front to back before. Just uh, full disclosure, um, and I didn't really know that one. That one was like probably my next favorite. Um, I knew a lot of the songs on this one, but that one I didn't know, and I and I ended up fucking loving that one. So, yeah, um, I mean, it's a Birds cover which is cool. Wait, is know? it really? Holy yeah. shit. I didn't realize that. Okay. Well, yeah. I might've rethought my starring on that one. If I knew that, if I had known that. Well, and maybe that's that why out. I didn't, uh, cause I didn't put any stars next to that. Not because I didn't like it, but because to me, like I was looking at the writers of all these songs, like as I was listening to it. And when I realized that he was just doing a bird's cover, when you go back and listen to it, you'll i i think that you'll say to yourself oh yeah that's very clearly a birds cover and it's really well done like it's super faithful it's um it's really nice it does kind of make but, sense because i definitely heard something different in there than i heard in, in, in the rest but what i did hear and what is one of the biggest things that needs mentioning about this album is the tom petty arrangement i don't know if he did it exactly in the same structure that they did maybe he did i don't know but i don't know Tom Petty is such an amazing songwriter, but maybe even, you know, superior to that is his arranging skills. Just the way yes. that he has the perfect ear for what a song needs to do at any given time. He's like, okay, here we need to do a half verse, or here we need to have one measure of just instrumental, you know, or here we need to have a four note guitar solo. Like in won't like in free fallen that little dun, yeah. dun, 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 dun. I mean he he just had an ear for what a song needed to do where it needed to go in order to keep the listener fully locked in and interested you know yep he was a brilliant songwriter like there's just no way about it he had a unique a super super unique quality to his voice that I think some people it probably drives nuts I can't get enough of it. 
Like I, love I really, really love it. And I, and I love it in all the different settings too, because if you put it like in a really kind of super rock oriented setting with the heartbreakers, he'll get kind of this gravelly grit to his voice that I'm fucking in on. And then you can also strip it back down with something like you're so bad, where it's just really his voice and an acoustic guitar. And man, there's, there's always this weird, sweet, forlorn, like quality to his voice that it's it's tom petty and and you and it's not mistakable there's, you know what i mean z- there's zero way you ever mistake his voice for anybody else you know yeah you're, you're, i mean if you know who tom petty is there's no way you're ever like hey who is this i don't know who's playing you know like you know exactly yeah there's just this this really really unique quality to the tenor of his voice um all right for now i loved that one too just like you're so bad like again these kind of like soft acoustic settings with his voice i'm i'm really really into um i I love the apartment on you yeah depending on you was great yeah the only one the only song on this record that i really really just really disliked was zombie zoo like why the fuck did you put that on this record you could have saved me the three minutes of silliness really you know interesting i liked that one a no, lot actually didn't. i gave it Why'd four like, stars you Mike. Like about that i loved it um it, it there's a lot of country to that in my opinion yeah. and you know who it reminded me of i kept thinking super eight by jason isbell is what i hear when i when i listen oh. to that song even like the playing at the zombie zoo like it sounds like a it sounds like the hook is almost the same as the super eight jason isbell so if you listen back and you think jason isbell I bet you hear it, you know? Yes. I mean, I listen, I can hear it right now, now that you've said it. What created the block for me was the lyrics. <laughs> like, yeah. The lyrics were just so stupid, you know? They're I dumb. was like, yeah. no, I can't They're not this. intelligent, but they're supposed to be silly, you know? Uh, I think he was just having fun, like threw it at the end of the record, but I dug it. And I liked the choir backing, background vocals on that at the end. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, but um, I, I get it, though. Did, did you notice all of the Traveling Wilburys features that were all over this thing? No. So Roy Orbison appears on Zombie Zoo. Does he? He does some backing vocals on that. Jeff Lynne is all over this record musically, and he produced the record. And then um, George Harrison is on I Won't Back Down. He does some of the... Um, he does backing vocals on it. And I want to say maybe he plays some guitar on it as well. You'd have to fact check me on the guitar. Program. Interesting. I didn't know that George Harrison was involved. That's crazy. Well, apparent. So apparently they started this record before the first traveling Woolberries record was cut. And then after they cut that traveling Woolberries record, um, Jeff Lynn and, um, Petty went back to the studio to finish working on this. And then because they were hanging out with those other guys, basically Dylan was the only one that didn't come back into the studio with Tom Petty and give an assist anywhere. Gotcha. I did fact check and George did play acoustic guitar on and went back down. There you go. There you go. Interesting. Great record. Yeah, I mean, fantastic. just really, really fucking fantastic record. And we um, we had the first Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, right? That's the only other Tom Petty entry that we've had on the list thus far? Um, I think this is our first one. No, 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 no. We had, didn't we have the very first Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers with American Girl on it? 
No. I don't think we really? did, dude. I would be really surprised if I was forgetting that. <laughs> uh, fuck. Don't we have a production manager? I know we do. Where is he? Justin. <laughs> yeah, he's not here. But uh, I don't think so. We'll have to we'll have to look back and make sure. But I, I'm like 99% sure that we do not. Ha- we've, we've not had any Tom Petty. I think this is our first one. All right. Hang on. Are you, you going to find I, out somehow? Yeah, I think I have a relatively quick way to fact check this. Do you have the spreadsheet? No, because if I had the spreadsheet, I would just cheat. You would just cheat. (laughs) Look at the spreadsheet all the time. So, no, I don't have the spreadsheet, but what I am doing is I'm pulling up. um, And the reason why I feel like I know that we did this one is because of the cover art. But hang on. You know what? No, I, I got to be a liar. I must be lying. <sighs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. I, okay, I don't see it on the Wikipedia, so we'll just have to assume that I'm a liar and that we haven't. <laughs> I'm trying to think about, like, you mean the very first one? Yes. Because I thought that we had done, I thought that we had done a Tom Petty record that had American Girl on it. Man, I feel like I feel like I made notes on American Girl. So American Girl is on the like the the debut like the eponymous correct the one and I'm just trying to look through not seeing it on their on the Wikipedia page that is even on the list Exactly so uh, listen we have to assume that I'm just utterly full of shit at this point <laughs> which I'm which I'm totally comfortable with because I mean, we've listened to literally hundreds of records. I know we have point. listened to two hundred and one records as of this yes. one. Yeah, yeah. So if I don't remember everything in the order in which it appeared, or what I have or have not listened to, sue me. Um, <laughs> Actually, don't sue me, but you know. <laughs> but I'm sure we do get more Tom Petty. This can't be the only Tom Petty. No, I certainly wouldn't think that it would be the only Tom Petty either. Um, I'm curious. I mean, what do you think about it? Do you like its placement on the list? Move it up, move it down. What do you think? It's getting hard at this point because I feel like there's so many albums. I'm going to be like, it's got to go up. But there's only you can't put that many up that far because we only have so many spots. I feel like my immediate gut reaction is to say, put this up higher. I mean, this has won't back down. This has free fallen. This is an amazing, amazing you know, set of songs here and huge influence that this had. It was released kind of later, I guess, in his like really, really hot section of his career. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, 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 my gut reaction would say to move it up a little bit, but I'm also cool with it where it is, but definitely not moving it down. Yeah. And I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to slip into that same groove. Although I don't necessarily think that it has to move up tremendously. I mean, to me, the hits that are on here are really, really monster and they're really good. And I love that it's here. I don't know that it needs to move up significantly from here though, just because the stuff that isn't a hit on this record to me, it's solid. It's good, but there's plenty of stuff that, um, there's plenty of stuff that's forgettable for me, um, on this record too, if that makes sense. And it's not forgettable. Forgettable might be a little bit harsh. Actually, not for Zombie Zoo. Zombie Zoo is mm-hmm. like I actively try to forget that. <laughs> but um, but you know, the rest of it is it's 
again, it's not bad. It's very good, but but um, I want to leave it here because otherwise, yeah, we might get a little bit crowded. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. So yeah, but definitely, definitely, good, good, very, very good record. Uh, and like yeah. that's like I said, that's the nice thing about where we're at in the list. I mean, these are all going to be a joy to listen to mm-hmm. for the most. And part. if you and if you have if you were like JB and you only ever went out and listened to the hits on this thing, listen, go out and spin this whole record. It's what like it's about 40 minutes plus or minus maybe it's like 42 or 43 minutes but it's so um it's so effortless to get through and you'll get to songs even the songs that are deeper on this record and even if you don't instantly recognize them from the radio they're really they're very listenable really really listenable oh yeah so absolutely should we move on i'm really excited to move on because now i know that this is the album that you were like I was shocked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if shocked is the right word, but pleasantly surprised. Um, so 297 is Peter Gabriel. So from 1986, Peter Gabriel got funky on the 1982 single shock, the monkey. And then it took him four years to follow up that hit. The similarly visceral sledgehammer slammed. So into the mainstream and is hold on radio and MTV deepened with the upbeat big time. The gothic love ballad in your eyes, beautifully employed by filmmaker Cameron Crowe in Say Anything, and the inspirational Don't Give Up, a duet with Kate Bush, who was shown locked in a five-minute embrace with Gabriel (laughs) in the video. That's a little awkward. What a crazy fucking video, right? I I didn't watch the video. Did you watch it? In one take? No, I haven't watched the video. I don't know that I can. That's a lot. I imagine it was, they had to do like a th- hundreds of takes and they were just like, come on again. <laughs> like you, you didn't get the angle right that time. <laughs> By the end, Peter Gabriel was like, if I fucking have to touch Kate Bush for one more second, I'm going to shoot somebody. <laughs> get your fucking hands off me, Kate Bush. <laughs> um, yeah. So, all right. Um, I was, I mean, I knew songs. Obviously I knew songs on this record. Like I knew in your eyes, I knew Sledgehammer. I knew Big Time because those were all commercials or commercials. Fuck me. Fucking moron. They probably those were, were on all commercials. like monster music videos when I was growing up, particularly Sledgehammer and Big Time. I don't explicitly remember the video for In Your Eyes, but um, whenever I hear In Your Eyes, I instantly start to think about Girl Talk because Girl oh, Talk has is it on there? a magnificently like glorious sample of in your eyes on his album all day. Um, but the stuff that I wasn't familiar with on this record, um, I really, I really liked it was, um, um, I mean, it was kind of standard, like mid eighties fair, if you will, like very standard mid eighties fair, I would say, but, but really, really tastefully done. And a lot of stuff, kind of shocked me and some of the songs like his the stuff that he was writing lyrics about were in some cases just super super fucking dark like oh yeah really really dark i mean a lot of this was pretty ominous and dark feeling like almost ethereal um like mercy street is an example of that at least at the beginning uh Mm -hmm. so for this one i knew sledgehammer and that was it i didn't know any of those other songs so i mean Sledgehammer is a pretty good tune, mm-hmm. but uh, that's kind of what I was expecting. And I, I mean, maybe I just heard it too many times 
because it's it is a big radio hit even to this day and it's like you know you hear it in the grocery store and stuff which is kind of funny <laughs> g- given the lyrical content to that because it's basically him talking about his dick is what sledgehammer yes. is the whole time um, yeah t- some seriously funny imagery i guess but uh <laughs> um but yeah i mean i didn't know any of these other songs so I was expecting to that Sledgehammer was going to be by far the best song on it, and Sledgehammer I was you know I'm okay with, but it's not like I don't love Sledgehammer. So, but I ended up liking a lot of the tunes on this. I mean, I liked the first song quite a bit, and I was impressed with how, well, maybe not impressed, but just it sounded a lot like Phil Collins, which I like Phil Collins, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know that Sledgehammer necessarily sounds that much like it him to me but a lot of these other ones do and there's a lot of avant-gardeness going on here like he's, he's doing some some real experimenting well it's funny because after i did my first like cold listen to this and for the record i'm i'm very much like ujb i knew sledgehammer but i knew big time and i knew in your eyes and outside of that like everything else was new for me but as soon as I got done listening to this, I instantly went back and listened to two different Genesis albums from when Peter Gabriel was with Phil Collins yep. in Genesis. And that's where I think, I mean, to me, like as soon as I listened to those early, those earlier Genesis albums, I was like, oh yeah, of course. No wonder it sounds like this. Right. Was Peter Gabriel on Lamb Lies Down in Broadway on Broadway? I believe that I think that was his last album. I think I'm gonna try to find that out real quick. I'm looking it up. Yeah, that's okay. If you're looking it up, then that's good. But, um, but Genesis is another band, though, that for me, like, I have almost no familiarity with any of that catalog. I'm sure you're gonna get a chance with a couple of the albums at least. Because there's yeah. no way that Lamb Lies Down on Broadway is not on this list. At least I would be really surprised if it wasn't. Um, and yeah, he's, he's on that. that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. In 74, it, okay, so yeah. And it was their last to, to have Peter Gabriel. So I was right. Yeah. It was his last one. Mm-hmm. But that's not the one that I listened to. I listened to Selling England by the Pound. So I listened to the one right before that. And that fucking record rocks, dude. Dude, Genesis God. is killer, especially Damn, that early so stuff. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very King Crimson like, very, very, yeah. very unique. I mean, I would like, file it like, under the same category, under that prog rock kind of category. And this I would not really call that personally. No. Yeah. No, 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 no. This is definitely like an evolution of somebody that when he was you know, arguably he would have been 12 years younger when selling England by the pound came out, you know, that was, he's definitely in a different stage in his life, right. As an artist, Peter Gabriel is, and this is, it's a lot more mature, you know, it's, um, it's certainly far more mainstream than anything Genesis was doing. And, um, and yeah, there's the range of songs on this record is really, it's broad, you know what I mean? Because like you, it's like very you mentioned broad. Mercy Street earlier, and that's just really, really super thick vocal layers, very ambient, but also really kind of dark. Red Rain, also pretty dark. The same thing, yeah, yeah, like a darker tune. And then Sledgehammer is like a, almost there's almost like funk elements to that. I mean, yes, yeah, because you get all those big giant horns, like that has legit horns in it. 
you know it does and on the on the chorus you might call me crazy but the i kept like rewinding and re- replaying it while i was listening to it the the there's like the specific part on the chorus i was like what does that fucking sound like it sounds just like another song like the way that they kind of stops the instrumentation like dun like yes. sledgehammer and i was like what is that and i finally realized it sounds exactly like electric feel by mgmt <laughs> the way that the way that the uh oh, that the instrumentation yeah. like stops and starts and even just like the chorus in general kind of sounds like like mgmt yeah. or, or yeah. rather mgmt sounds like peter gabriel i guess but with, with um, that song I was I was pleasantly shocked at and and I think it's most obvious on Red Rain, which is kind of funny because it's the title track. But he has like this grit to his voice that I never like until I listened to this, you know, with intention, with headphones and stuff like that on. I didn't I don't know. I guess I never thought of Peter Gabriel as having like kind of a I didn't think of him as ever having any gravel to his voice. I thought his voice was always like really kind of super polished and, and clean, but really not at all. And I like that. Yeah. Like I like that, that grit that he has in some of these tracks, especially the one with Kate Bush too, that don't give up track. That's really kind of harsh vocals. Yeah. What was your favorite song? Oh, in your eyes. Easy. Yeah. That song um, is so spectacular, dude. Like, I mean, there's no there's I mean, it's 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 a nearly flawless song to me. Like it's just so beautifully constructed. Um so so memorable, you know. It and really it, is. I don't know. It, and it's, it's a fantastic to me. It's a fantastic chorus. Yeah. And I love like the synth work on it. Um, actually I love like all the three main sections of that song. There's like a verse, mm-hmm. a pre-chorus and a chorus. I love it all. And I love the, uh, the percussion throughout. It's another big, you know, shine, shining star of this album is the percussion yeah. work. But for me, the song that takes the cake is that voice again. The fourth one that, that had to be my really? favorite. Yeah. I just really wow. fell in love with that one. Um, some really, really cool synth work, really, really great bass lines on it. Um, and then the chorus on it was just, I just love the melody that they came up with there. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that has to be my, my favorite for sure. Dude, did you do any reading on, it must've been track seven. We do what we're told Milgram's 37. Did you read into that at all? No, but that was a fucking weird one. Fuck, dude, that fucking song is dark as shit, dude. So what that Milgram's 37 is in referencing to is like after World War II, you know, they did all these social experiments um, with, and you'll know it as soon as I start to describe it to you. So there's, there's like an observer, there's a volunteer, and then there's like a third guy inside of a chamber. And basically the observer is telling the volunteer that he's got to give this other guy a shock. If he doesn't like say the right words or whatnot, the guy in the room is just an actor pretending to get shocked. But the whole, the whole experiment was ran because after the Nazi war, um, war trials, everybody couldn't understand how Nazis could like massacre people, right? Like how did the Holocaust even happen? And it was this idea that, you know, if you put people in a unique situation, they'll just do what they're told. Right. And so this there was this whole stream of experiments 
where they were trying to get normal people to do things that they knew were like intentionally harming another human being that they didn't know anything about and fucking go figure. That's how it worked out. Exactly. That's exactly how it works out. And like Nazis weren't fucking evil people. But if you get, if you put people into a position of power and tell them that they have to do something and there's the illusion that they have to do it, fuck, will they have to do it? And so when you go back and re-listen to that song with like that as the inspiration for it, fuck, dude, like there's like some, like some serious fucking mental gymnastics that are going on when you listen to some of this stuff, you know, well, and to- it's a really wild tension that he builds in that song. Well, yeah, because there's, there's not even any, hold on. Is that the, yeah, there's not even any lyrics until more than halfway through the song and the the lyrics that do come in are pretty limited. So I don't even, yeah, they're super limited, but again, like that's where I think that you, you got to understand kind of the inspiration behind the sonic layers that he's creating and I think when you go back to it and if you if you give it another chance to re-listen, there's a different appreciation for it. Like, yeah, no, I'm yeah, I'm not discounting super that. Super intelligent. I will too. Yeah. Uh that yeah. one, well, I'll definitely do that. And that one and uh, the one after that, this is the picture, Excellent Birds. Another mm-hmm. weirdly experimental song. Yes. You know, just like, I like the I like the female vocals in that song though. Yeah, was that that wasn't Kate Bush, right? No, I <laughs> yeah. don't think it was Kate Bush. And I didn't make note of who it was. I mean, I'm sure that I read it at some point in time, but I didn't make note of who it was. Yeah, but it was cool. I mean, it was definitely the right choice to put those in the latter half of the album. Yeah, absolutely. I I do think that this is probably like 50 too high for me. Yeah, I think it's a little too high as well. I mean, I just think there's the other albums that are its company this week, in my opinion, deserve to be a little higher. Yeah. But this was and it was a big surprise that, for me. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a great record and and it absolutely belongs to be on this list, but when you hold it up to the other records that made the list this week, it's really hard for me to say that all five of these records belong in the same like section of the list, if you will. Yeah. Cause I think that this one probably needs to fall a little bit for me. Um, it's really well done. I'm, I'm glad that it's here. I'm glad that it's on the list. If you haven't taken the time to listen to the record and you're listening to this, do it because you won't be disappointed at all. Especially if your experience with Peter Gabriel is fairly limited as mine was. Yeah. Yeah. Because his voice is really, really special and he definitely puts together um, interesting music. And I would argue that this, I mean, Genesis is probably would have to be considered his peak, but if not Genesis, like this is probably it. It's definitely his most commercially viable, I would say. Yeah. I would almost say like commercially, maybe this was his peak, but like in terms of legacy music wise, probably just Genesis. Genesis work. Yeah. 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 I don't, I can't disagree with that. Can't disagree with that at all. Well, can we get to the, can we get to the, <laughs> Can we get to the next Neil Young record on the list? Can we get to our 19th Neil Young record in the last two weeks? I mean, in all seriousness, this is this is number four, right? In the last what? It was number well, four so far, but it's number three in like the last three weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
three in the last three weeks, four so far out of the top 205. Yes. The next, the last record we're going to talk about this week is Neil Young. Um, the title of this record is Russ Never Sleeps from 1979. Rolling Stone says the live Russ Never Sleeps is essential Neil Young, full of impossibly delicate acoustic songs and ragged crazy horse rampages. Highlights, My My Hey Hey, a tribute to the Sex Pistols' Johnny Rotten, a surreal political spiel called Welfare Mothers and Powderfinger, Young's greatest song ever where he unspools a hazy tale of a 22-year-old going up against government violence on the American frontier, and his guitar roars toward the collapsing sky like never before. That's maybe like too um, like cheesily poetic for me, the way that they described it, but I have a really hard time arguing with anything that they've said. So you think Powderfinger is New Young's greatest song ever? Fuck, man! Listen, I've I've read that across multiple descriptions in reading about this album, and I don't know. I, I got to spend more time with it because literally the first time that I ever heard this song was was whatever, like a week and a half, two weeks ago. The first time that I did a cold listen to this because I had never heard anything. So I wonder is there not record. a is there not a studio version of of Powderfinger? I'm no, like, I'm looking it up right now. I don't think there is. Interesting. Because because I was reading that he originally wrote that song and he tried to fucking give that song as well as um, Sedan Delivery and one other song on this record, he tried to fucking give them to Leonard Skinner. But Leonard <laughs> Skinner was like, nah, fuck that. We don't want that song. Bro. We don't want that. Well, they fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm reading... Check this out. I'm reading the Wikipedia page. It has been, yeah, first of all, it was firstly released on Russ Never Sleeps, um, covered by a, a numerous, <laughs> so it was yeah, covered by Band of Horses, Cowboy Junkies, Beat Farmers, Rusted Root, Jazz Mandolin Project, Drive-By Truckers, uh, Young Woo, Car Seat Headrest, and Fish. Jesus, dude. The Australian rock band Powderfinger took their name from this song. Yeah, it's a great tune. I definitely love that tune. And I had I had heard that one before. Although that one and Pocahontas were the only two that I knew from this. And I, I had texted Mike earlier in the week and I was like, Jesus, dude, am I the only one that's loving this? From the very first three songs, I was I was a big fan of this. Just right yeah. away. Like it was, yep. it was sometimes there, there are albums on this list that didn't resonate immediately, took some time, had to spend a little time listening to them and eventually ended up light loving them, you know, or maybe liking them moderately. But this one was just right away. I mean, not to jump the gun, four stars, three stars, three stars. I actually like Pocahontas was not one of my favorites on here. I only put one star next to that one. But then three stars, four stars, two stars, four stars, four stars. Mine, like this record fucking smashes. I, Unbelievably. Mine had a lot of stars as well. I was four stars, three stars, four stars, four stars. I love Pocahontas. Two stars, four stars, four stars, four stars, three stars. I did not have any five stars. Oh. Yeah. Well, and and that's okay. Like I didn't either. Right. I didn't I didn't give any of these songs five stars either, but it was just like the consistently unbelievable um, quality of the songwriting 
the production, which I don't care. Like, so two of these were studio cuts, right? Pocahontas was recorded in the studio and sail away was also recorded in the studio. Those were not live, but it didn't take away from what he was doing by building like the acoustic a side and then the electric B side to the album. And the way that he bookended with an acoustic, Hey, Hey, my, my out of the blue and then a hey, hey, my, my into the black in the back was really, really crazy. And at first when hey, hey, my, my into the black, which is the the last song on the record came on. Originally, I thought to myself, fuck, why did they ruin like, why did they ruin this riff? You know, like this guitar is just super fucking distorted. And I and it made me wish that it was the acoustic version again. Mm-hmm. But then as the song goes on, man, I really fell in love with it. Like I loved just that kind of gritty rawness that the electric brought. It was a super cool contrast. You know, it was uh, a super distorted and even dissonant. Like some of the things that they were playing were kind of, kind of grating on the ears a little bit, but in a good way. Um, mm-hmm. and I liked how they changed the order too. Cause like the first, the first track is actually titled my, my, Hey, Hey, and the oh, last one's Hey, I Hey, my, my, that. yeah, <laughs> so, ah, that's so funny. That was kind of fun. Um, yeah. I did prefer the acoustic version personally, but I yep. did like the last one. Yeah. Um, so which side did you prefer the acoustic side or the electric side? <sighs> that's not a fair question. I object. <laughs> I'll answer it. I think I, I think I liked the acoustic side more. Um, which usually would not again, be my answer. But. I would, yeah. I mean, normally I would say that, but again, I object to your question. Like that's some horseshit, dude. Because you can't say that you can't. There's no way that you can say that the A side is better than the B side with powder fingers sedan delivery and hey, hey, my, my into the black. You can't say that. That's and Welfare fair. Mother. I mean, Welfare Mother was <laughs> great too. I enjoyed Welfare Mothers. Um, it was, Welfare Mothers was super fucking punk, right? Like that was like, that was as punk as it, as it gets outside of, I mean, I guess sedan. Delivery I was going to say sedan delivery thing, was though. like, was like punk to me, like straight up punk. And I, I loved that. I loved how it was like, Dun, 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 dun. And then it was like <laughs> soft and halftime on the chorus, and then right back to well, it. That chorus got like super psychedelic, right? Yeah, it, it gets it like slowed down and got real and spacey, bendy. Yeah, yeah, like this really kind of spacey feel, and then he's just like, "Nope, it's still a punk song, motherfucker." Go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I I dig Neil Young doing punk too. It's it's so unique. Um. All right, that's fine. Listen, you can have the acoustic side. I'll take the electric side. I don't. I don't hate that. But I get Powderfinger. No, that's no, that's <laughs> not true. You don't get that though. See, I get it. Um, okay. What do you What do you make of the fact that so many like a lot of these songs are really really big songs for him, and he never gave him the studio treatment? I think it's cool. I think that. Uh, um, I love like. I love when artists have that, when they just have a whole pot of songs that they never actually, you know, put down onto, onto record. And Neil Young is one of those guys that just, I'm sure just writes all the time, you know? So we're probably getting the cream of, of that. He probably has way more songs that, 
that have never been been given the studio treatment and probably not not probably some of them are not great you know that's how it is yeah. and and i like that he just kind of you know picked out some tunes that he ne- didn't necessarily ever record and he played them on a live album and i wonder if that was a conscious decision like i wonder if they went in with the intention of releasing this as a studio release or not you know I, it's it's a super it's a, it's a super intriguing question and and the fact that he released all of this new material that ended up becoming staples at live shows as a live album it's it's really it's super ballsy like and nothing that i mean i guess i'm not surprised right i mean neil young is kind of the the archetypal rock and roll star but his songwriting is so special so so special and and very similarly to the way that Peter Gabriel has these kind of really unique qualities to his voice. Boy, oh, Neil yeah. Young does too. Man, I mean, th- three of the guys, really, almost all of them really this week. I was just thinking. This week, yeah. I mean, yeah, even Shania really. Like any of these voices you hear, like I'm never going to mistake B.B. King. I'm never going to mistake Tom Petty, never going to probably mistake Peter, 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 Peter Gabriel, Jesus. And then most of all, I'm definitely never going to mistake Neil Young. I mean, Neil Young. Yeah. What, um, I mean, we, we had this conversation. How many more Neil Young records do we get? I'd say at probably like two? 15. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least cool. a couple. So, I mean, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if Neil Young was one of their highest represented artists on the Rolling Stones list. I mean, Rolling Stone loves Neil Young, obviously. Yeah. And it kind of seems like that's the way we're going. Cause we haven't like, I'm assuming that deja vu would appear on here somewhere. Harvest. Crosby, will obviously Nash, be, Young. Harvest will probably be top hundred. Yep. I wonder if, uh, yep. If Buffalo Springfield is going to be on here. Oh Jesus, man. I completely forgot about Buffalo Springfield. Cause we haven't seen that yet. I would be, I would be shocked at this point. Honestly, there's got to be. Is there only one Buffalo Springfield record? Because they were. It was. They were. I think. That, I thought there was two. I think there might be two from them. But either way, um, man. To me, to me, if you're going to put Buffalo Springfield on this list, you you probably need to put them closer to like a surrealistic pillow, wouldn't you think? You think? Yeah. Well, I mean, they've got for what it's worth. I know, you which know? is a fucking great song. I'm looking up their discography. There's actually three, <laughs> and they're very yeah. non-inventive names. <laughs> so the uh, <laughs> the first one is called uh, Buffalo Springfield. Mike, guess what the second one is called? More Buffalo Springfield. You're super close. It's called Buffalo Springfield again. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third one is called Last Time Around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and those man. are their three albums. Yeah, I wonder if those are concepts. Yeah, it has to be. <laughs> so yeah, um, there's got to be more. Um, this is my favorite Neil Young that we've had so far. I know we had that conversation just last week about the other one, and I said, I said, um, I said the 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 middle one that we did, the one with like the on the beach the one and stuff. Yeah, yeah. on the beach. Um, you liked but, on the beach. I was tonight's the night. Yes, and this um, has surpassed. This has surpassed him. This is my new favorite one. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. And the reason why this one does it for me is because you get two sides. 
you get two sides and both sides of Neil Young, whether it's with Crazy Horse and all of the distorted guitars and punk rock sounds and just and just different music, you also get that singer-songwriter version of Neil Young that can literally just kind of bring you to tears and make you want to rethink everything you've done with your life. And that that's special to me. Yeah, it know? really is. His voice is amazing on this. Like yeah, it really is. Like I almost just think that he sounds better live than he does on the studio in his studio yeah. recordings. Well, and for the record, because we beat the shit out of Kiss so bad on this. Listen, it they overdubbed. They supposedly they say that they overdubbed um, the electric concerts with Crazy Horse, and I could buy that because the vocals sound really really good on the back half of this record and i don't necessarily think that they overdubbed any of the guitar bass or drum work but i i would buy that they probably overdubbed some of the vocals just because he may have gotten a little bit crazy um but from what i read there wasn't substantial overdubs or any overdubbing on any of the acoustic shows recorded in may of i think it was may of 78 was when they recorded that and that's even the the part the half i'm talking about is like the part that really yeah. his voice really stuck out to me was the first four songs and i think exactly. he sounds better on those than he does on any of his studio albums that i really listened to in depth i listen i'm not going to argue with you because he sounds I mean, just spectacular. Yeah. Really, really spectacular on all of them. All of them, all of them, all of them. So if you weren't um, a Neil Young fan before, you probably are now, huh, Mike? Um, listen, I yeah. And and he I was I was in. I was in once we got to everyone knows this is nowhere. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I was in. And and on the beach was really good too. It just didn't hit me quite the same way that tonight's the night did. Like I really, really enjoyed that record a lot. But this one, this one's at least 52 low for me. Like I would like to break up, like I want to see some space in between some of these Neil Young entries. And I would like to see this one move up quite a bit. I think 250 is way more appropriate for this. I agree. I like it. I like it at 250. You know? For sure. This is amazing. I, I can't believe I wasn't didn't know this one either. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew some of the tunes. I knew Powderfinger. I knew Pocahontas, like I said. But uh, yeah, that was it. So so almost, I mean, the vast majority of Neo Young stuff for me is going to be, it's, it's going to be found, which I'm super excited about. You know, this, like he was one of those artists that when we first talked about doing this type of project, I was thinking to myself, great. Because it goes to a bunch able, of Neil I'll, Young. <laughs> yeah, I'll have somebody like basically sifting through the mountain of work that the guy has done. Like he's a fucking prolific songwriter. And, you know, somebody else has done the heavy lifting on at least a part of the discography for me. So I have not been let down yet. Yes. Which is nice. They've got some good picks. Mm-hmm. All right. So okay. do you want do we want to preview the next show whenever that may be? <laughs> Yes, we do want to preview that. We should do that. Um, yes, and, and yeah, so that we don't really know right now, Mike and I haven't really discussed when the next one's going to be. Um, we may end up be, having to take soon. probably soon. at some point soon. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be. It's not going to be next week. We know that. Yes, it might be the following week. It'll probably it'll probably be two weeks from today is what my best educated guess would be right now. Um, 
Yeah, we'll talk about that. Maybe it's a it's a definite (laughs) maybe, and it's more of a probably not to tell you the truth. (laughs) Um, Because actually, two weeks. Oh, because you're going to be in Florida, huh? Yeah, we both have those weddings to go to in two weeks. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot you're going to Florida. I have to go be the best man at a wedding. So, um, so it definitely will not be two weeks from today. (laughs) So either we'll fit it in in next week sometime depending on, I don't know, Mike is going to Mexico next week um, or this week. So I'm not sure when, when Mike gets yeah. back from there. We'll, we'll, we'll talk it out. We'll put a post up on watch for social media. We will make it an announcement. I was going to say, yeah, watch social because we'll post up there when we're going to be, when we're going to be going again, or if we have to make adjustments, but let there be no mistake. When we come back, heat. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Heat. So coming in at 295, very exciting one. We have Daft Punk random access memories. Boom. And yeah. we, you know what? We might end up having production manager Justin on at least to For talk that. about that album. Yeah, that's I think an album so that too. He, he's massively in love with. Um, after that, we're at 294, the debut from We Said, We Said, The Blue Ablem. <laughs> love that record. 293, we have The Breeders, which is interesting because we were wondering about wondering about that about 100 albums ago. Uh, Last Splash. <laughs> well, that's right. Kim Deal back from Pixies fame. And yep. we've had two Pixies albums, and this is the first time that we've got a side project from the Pixies. Um, but that's a fun one. Have we had two, two Pixies or we have just had one Pixies? No, didn't we have Dr. Doolittle and Surfer Rosa? I don't think we had Doolittle yet. I think Doolittle was coming Doolittle up still. Yet? We definitely Son have Surfer Rosa, but I no, we didn't have Doolittle yet because Riley Rath, um, who was a guest for, for Surfer Rosa, will be returning for for Doolittle. Okay, my bad. We haven't had Doolittle yet, so we go from Surfer Rosa to the Breeders. Kim Deal's side piece. Yes. Um, after that, two ninety two, we're going to be talking about Van Halen's debut. Van Halen. Mm-hmm. Running the devil on that. Eruption mm-hmm. on that. Holy cow! And then a little bit of eruption. Two ninety one. Destiny's Child, the writing on the wall. Interesting. Are you familiar at all with Destiny's Child? Uh, I don't, am I familiar with Destiny's Child, the band? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, this shit was like, this was on the radio when I was, you know, uh, this was on happen when you was so, little. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this was like what they were spun at daycare all day and stuff. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty intimately familiar with this stuff. I don't know that, that I never like sat down and listened to the album, but I'm going to know all of these songs, <laughs> you know, I definitely know, say my name, right? Like everybody knows, say my name, but this was at a time when I didn't really like appreciate. I mean, it's not that I didn't appreciate. I definitely did was not listening to female R and B groups in the late nineties. Why not weirdo? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely was the weirdo, but, um, but that's going to be fun. Like I'm excited to hear a young, what do they call her? A wonderkind, a wonderkind, wonderkind. named Beyonce Knowles. Nice. That's a yeah. fitting title. Yeah. Well, once we get to that, it's going to be exciting. So that's going to be a good week. So make sure you tune in for that. Like as we said, we will post uh, an announcement on social media. So watch out for that. Thank you as uh-huh. always for tuning in and we'll see. Yeah. You happy time. Monday. It's to you all have great weeks and, um, and we will talk to you real, real soon with some more records. Indeed. This list sucks, this list sucks, this list sucks, this list sucks.